Listen in to find out how your pharmacy can ride the incoming tidal wave of medication management service opportunities. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, most importantly, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build a smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, and we are now into episode 33. I cannot believe it. I'm recording today from my hotel room in Sydney. It's a first for me. up here for a conference and I had the great pleasure of visiting a few pharmacies whilst I've been up here and taking them through their Pharmacy Freedom Index, but more on that later. But as we start to see some patterns emerging, I really need to show you that there's proof that if there is a will, there is a way. And certainly at the moment, for me being on the road, um, I wasn't going to let that get in my way as well. And I think that might have just rhymed actually. So perhaps my four-year-old is rubbing off on me. (laughs) Um, Your digital content, just referencing whilst I'm on the road, it doesn't need to be recorded in perfect conditions. What really matters is in your message. So my message to you as the pharmacy owner who struggles to find time to market their business through digital or even to communicate regularly with your whole team is that I'm sure you've got some dwell time and that might be in the car, on the way to the pharmacy, when you walk to the cafe for lunch or even when you take the dog for a walk at night and the technology you're holding in your hands, in your smartphones is all that you need to get started. I spoke about that a lot at PBN this year and it just allows you to deliver your great content, your best messages to your patients and your team. And on the subject of great teams, there were some great pharmacy teams out there this week, and it's no bigger than Fred. Um, Fred, uh, for those who weren't aware, uh, was number 25 in the BRW Innovation Reward, and they're rubbing shoulders with Zero, Coca-Cola, Commonwealth Bank, but to name a few. And as I've said in the past, look, Paul and the team are just fantastic for taking that courageous move to innovate despite holding that dominant market share of the pharmacy software pie. And it's a quest that must be applauded and certainly one that's about creating that pharmacy environment where the pharmacist just doesn't have to wear the IT guy's hat, you know, where that pharmacist doesn't have to you know, get on the phone to the technicians, pulling their hair out, telling them, come on, fix it. My patients are waiting. I need to dispense. I can't do it. And getting all these servers and wires all over the place. You know, that's really a quest that I really look forward to coming to fruition. So I look forward to following the journey of Fred next as we have been. And I think as we get a bit closer and um, for those who remember back to, I think it was episode 20, um, where Paul came on previously, we're looking at about Christmas this year uh, for probably the next rollout of Fred Next. So I wait for that and I'll bring it to more news to you as it comes to hand. And also Epic Pharmacy. For those of you who don't know who Epic Pharmacy is, well, they used to be APHS Pharmacy and they went through a massive reband. It was very, very cool. Uh, you could see a lot of their YouTube videos of Kathy and uh, Stuart there. And um, what they've done is they've invested about 1.5 mil in uh, a company called Flamingo. Uh, which is very well known for putting together vendor relationship management software. And they're going to deliver patient-first health initiatives and also co-create healthcare IT solutions with patients. And it's such an exciting quest because we talk so much on this show about becoming a patient-centric pharmacy. Well, there's a patient-centric company uh, who's looking to deliver and develop those health solutions uh, with their patients. So I really look forward to following those two through big initiatives this week. And who says it's all doom and gloom in pharmacy? I'm excited with those two, and you should be too. On the subject of excitement, um, I got some more listener feedback. Um, You might have remembered that uh, Alvina uh, sent me a very lovely message a few weeks ago, and uh, I got a follow-up message from her, and I'll read it to you as well. I really like the idea of using SoundCloud and she's going to play around with it. Um, She's tried using a couple of applications like FileApp and um, not sure if the files can be accessed on any phone. She says, I'm not very tech savvy, but I've been doing more lately on Facebook and found customers have been quite engaging. 
Absolutely, Alvina. We talk about so much about how that aging demographic is really going to be um, some one that's got some great social connectiveness around it. Um, some of the older patients are becoming more connected with their families than they ever have been through Facebook and through the community as well. And while we're in that community, a pharmacist is right at the centre of it. So you're really in a good space with that. She also goes on to say, but your podcast um, and uh, the one that she followed about uh, probably back in about episode three or four of my parents following me on Twitter um, made me think that I should be on there as well. Um, so, so far I've set up my account. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. And uh, she also goes on to say that um, she recently bought a, a Sony AS100 cam and thought of making some short videos of educational stuff for my patients and there's uh, really nothing new there. So fantastic, Alvina. I really look forward to that. And she's going to send me some other other topics that she's interested in as well. But just great listener feedback. And to pay respect to the time that you've spent to go through that with me, I've got some great insights that I want to share with you that hopefully uh, will be able to really help you. So Twitter. So a great example with that one was, the, was last weekend um, at PAC 14 up in Canberra as well. If you weren't going to Canberra for PAC because you logistically couldn't, you have a young family as I do, um, you can follow the hashtag as I did and you can start and you can also contribute to some great conversations. And it's also a great great opportunity if you're attending the conference to really hone your skills of microblogging. Uh, as I might have mentioned at APP, the opportunities around um, getting your thoughts very clear about what the important messages are from each lecture or each seminar or workshop, if you can condense that to 140 characters, um, it's a fantastic little reminder for you when you come back from the conference as well. And um, I often recommend that you might want to print out or get download the uh, tweet reach report, um, which is one where you can print out all of the hashtags and all of the tweets from a particular conference. There's a nice record as well, particularly if you want to go back to it about seeing what's going on. Um, so really good opportunity to trial that out. So if you're going to APP next year, I'd recommend you have a go at that. Um, in terms of doing videos or podcasts from an educational standpoint for your patients, look, there's um, really what my best recommendation to you with that is don't try and reinvent the wheel. When you have an interesting case study and you find that that comes up over and over again, particularly perhaps if you're counselling on a particular medication all the time, it could be that you dispense a lot of Ventolin in your pharmacy and you've got a lot of asthmatics then creating videos about the best tips of getting the best benefits out of that will really benefit you and it'll be very relevant to your target demographic. And, you know, there was a great opportunity um, that was taken up by Simon Herford and the You Save Chemist group in episode 22, um, in that they've been already doing that and they've been creating QR codes uh, that interact with their mobile applications to release those videos out to their patients um, on a uh, targeted basis, which is, I think, fantastic. So please let me know if I can help in any way. Which is a great segue to some of the great insights that I've been getting on my recent visits to pharmacies in both Sydney and Melbourne in the last few weeks, probably more Sydney in the last couple of days. And it covers the Pharmacy Freedom Index. It's been taken up really, really well. Um, and for a lot of you who may be tuning in for the first time, or you might be overseas as one of our 83 countries, what is the Pharmacy Freedom Index? Well, in a nutshell, it delivers you your best opportunities, your biggest opportunities in nine critical areas of your business. So we talk about the three pillars of a successful 21st century pharmacy being operational efficiency, which is broken down into your money, your pharmacy operations, and also your team. And then the second pillar, which is a patient-centric business model, gets broken down into your patients, your partners, and also innovation as well. And the third pillar, smart use of technology, really but enabling you to scale and grow your business without growing those operational costs, is your IT systems, mobility, and automation. And you'll get rated as to where your success is in your pharmacy right now, and also give you the opportunities to be able to see what patterns are emerging as well in your pharmacy, and where are the biggest opportunities. It's very simple to follow. It's in a traffic light, red, amber, green section. And 
if you get a lot of reds, I'm very, very happy to work with you as intensively if we, as we need to. Um, but really, the best benefit as a lot of pharmacy owners have in the last few weeks is really just taking 90 minutes out of your time where you can sit down and we can go through the biggest opportunities and really work out how you're gonna capture those in the next 12 months as well. But I'll share with you some emerging, some emerging trends that I'm seeing and maybe a new insight every week. Uh, but the first one we're gonna cover is the heavy reliance on our accountants to keep us abreast of our true financial position. So as previously discussed, you can now outsource a lot of your financial data entry to keep it updated every week. It's not something you have to keep in a shoebox or a box and just shelve off to your bookkeeper or your, or your accountant once a quarter and they've got to do a whole lot of data entry. As we all know, the point of sale that we have doesn't give us a true reflection of our true financial position in our business and only your profit and loss statement will be able to do that. But typically, as we're finding, we're not accessing that statement more than maybe once a quarter, maybe twice a year if we do a buy-in review, or worse, even only once a year. So we need to be able to get to that anywhere, anytime we need to, but also need to have the knowledge um, to be able to make more, make smarter, more nimble decisions regarding the challenges or opportunities that are present. So rather than waiting for once a quarter, twice a year, or even annually, um, your accountant is, is your best financial advisor. I'm not, I'm not telling you to give, give him the sack or give her the sack for that matter, but it's a team effort, guys. And the cloud-based tools like Shoebox that we spoke about a few weeks ago, and also some accounting software, which we'll discuss in the coming weeks, allows you to implement and participate in your business financial planning every day. So guys, take the test. You'll have a downloadable report highlighting your rating in those nine critical areas in seven minutes. And you'll get transformation as an ebook and also access to the transformation workbook and community to really kickstart your journey as well. And I look forward to visiting you and helping you maximize your success. Our interview today is with Luke Fitzgerald, the CEO of MPS. He's been in the pharmacy industry for 16 years, mostly working for pharmaceutical companies, but he joined MPS in the last six months. He's looking to help pharmacies differentiate itself in the marketplace, providing extra time to care for their patients. Luke Fitzgerald, welcome to The Transformation Show. Uh, thank you, Robert. Uh, look, great to have you on, Luke. And um, it's going to uh, pharmacy owners going to be taking a great journey today. And uh, you know, you've got a long history in pharmacy, and I know you've only just joined MPS, so we might be throwing you in the hot seat today with uh, talking about dose administration aids and obviously how an outsourced um, model can obviously help them to leverage more time with their patients. Uh, but particularly, um, I wanted to start by um, asking you, know, why are you so passionate about the future of pharmacy, and um, how did you get started in the industry? I started uh, about 19 years ago, uh, Rob, where I uh, took an interest in, in um, pharmaceuticals and I joined a pharmaceutical company. Um, and from there, I, I had many different roles, whether it be through training, sales, marketing. Um, and in those roles, I actually developed a love for pharmacy. And what I really love about pharmacies the fact that they do make a difference to patients' lives. And yes, GPs do too, but they just don't have the time to actually spend with um, with patients as much as probably they would like. But what I saw in pharmacy is that a lot of the patients actually went to their pharmacies to actually get more information that their GP didn't give them. So I saw that as a huge you know, advantage for pharmacy, and I'd like to obviously see that leverage because I think it's really important for patients as well. Uh, to get that and they look for pharmacies to provide that services. So I'm looking to obviously work with uh, pharmacies to really see what they can do to actually assist the patient, spend more time with the patient. Um, and I did that in my uh, previous roles. Um, and now having joined MPS, I, I think I'm in a really good position to continue that, uh, that philosophy. 
Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And, you know, we focus so much on our show around really trying to really leverage the pharmacist back in front of the patient and really trying to get them to take off all of those extra hats that they tend to wear. And, you know, particularly when operating costs keep rising in our industry, um, it sometimes becomes a, an impasse for a lot of our listeners um, is to how, the, how do they get themselves out of those operational roles and get become more patient-centric. And, you know, for those, for our pharmacists, owner listeners who do have aged care as part of their business and also have just developed a community data administration aid business as well it has a lot of manual aspects to it and um, you know so and, and and absolutely sometimes it takes them away from really having those great conversations and in my view getting getting them to become the great problem solvers that we all know that we can be as pharmacists but uh, often we don't afford ourselves enough time so look, I think, yeah, yeah. and Rob you're right there because I think if you look at, you know, I think it's the right time too because at the moment, you know, the government is saying that uh, there's about 1.7 million Australians today that actually are on five or more medications. So that's a lot of patients out there. But we know that there's probably only 480,000 patients today getting a DAA. Hmm. Um, so the question is that there's a lot more patients who probably don't know that there are DAAs out there to actually assist them with their compliance and to assist them to um, live a healthier life, to make their, you know, taking medications a little bit easier. So, you know, there's an education there that pharmacists can take, can take advantage of um, that can actually assist patients. So there is a huge um, amount of patients that can actually benefit from that giving the you know giving the pharmacies time to actually have those conversations with those patients who really actually aren't using a DAA today Absolutely. And, you know, there's so many other services that pharmacists are known for and, and do con really well around, you know, meds checks being at a very short little conversation around the biggest possibilities and problems that exist in patients' medication regimens right up to the uh, the higher level home medication review. And it, it all centres around um, really taking control of the medication management and trying to remove the possibilities of medication misadventure and other adverse drugs reactions that could be possible given the combination of medicines so I wonder though with that statistic that you threw up there of um, you know 1.7 mil over five or more medicines and the low level of dose administration aids whether that really has a lot to do more about the operational capacity of pharmacies and perhaps there would be pharmacies that would love to do more but they uh, they probably think well geez we're probably out of space or it's just going to cost us too much so I guess as we always try to start with a lot of our episodes Luke um, is to take our pharmacy owners through a journey and quite often the technology becomes the enabler um, at the end of really a strong process in the business so for our listeners who have got a dose administration aid business at the moment and it might be just community-based or it might have aged care components, um, where, where would you see like those who are having questions about how much it's costing them and the sustainability of it, where would you see the best starting point to really look at their processes and um, start to become more efficient even pre-technology? Yeah, I think they've got to look at what I encourage when I have a discussion with pharmacists to say, okay, what are you doing today? And on average, the, the typical pharmacy is probably doing around 35 to 40 uh, DAAs uh, a month, um, which is pretty good. Uh, then I'd actually say, okay, well, that's a good starting point of the, that you've got. But what, what do you want to do in the next two or three years? So... For me, it's really about not what you're doing today, it's actually where you're heading. Um, and to do that, they, you know, and what's happening in the market is that I've mentioned that 1.7, well, the government's predicting that'll be in the next 10 uh, to 12 years, that number's gonna be 3 million. So really the average pharmacy today is actually doing probably 35 to 40. So if it's gonna double in the next 10 to 12 years, they're gonna be doing probably 80 to 90 hmm. um, DAA. So, I, I like to go back and say, okay, where are you at today? So you're at 40, so where do you want to go? Well, you want to actually increase that? Well, what are the barriers that stop you? And it is, I don't have enough room. So that's definitely a, a, a part that does play is that, you know, at the moment it's all manual 
I can't actually uh, increase my real estate any, any further because it's costing me a lot of money and it's not um, productive after that. Uh, the salaries that take a part in that as well, Rob, is a huge, uh, every time I, I would put on uh, 100 uh, or 150 DAAs, I've got to put on more people. So what do I need to do there? How do I actually manage that? And that's where an outsourced DAA, such as the MPS model, actually can, can contribute. It can take you from 40 to 300 within, uh, within a month uh, if you had the patient. So it's, it's an easy process. Um, all you have to do is have a computer terminal, a desk that the computer terminal can sit at, a, a technician that can obviously work the terminal. Um, and, and to do probably roughly around 300 uh, DAAs uh, through our system, that technician would probably be required probably three and a half to four days uh, for the week. Uh, so it's not, not a full-time uh, so it, in, it enables you to really maximise that potential of the amount of patients that are out there. Uh, but it does it in a way that you don't have to increase that, that cost burden in order to get that growth. Mm. So it, it, it does help in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think maybe even a, a step further back, it's really, as we were speaking about earlier, really understanding uh, the needs of the customer and uh, really understanding that, you know, obviously in a, in a national level, you've got, you know, 1.7 million people with five or more medicines. But I guess what, what would you, is there any software that um, perhaps MPS or anyone else that you're aware of, um, it could even be uh, Guildcare or who I know that uh, do flag the uh, patients that are appropriate for meds checks and HMRs for pharmacists that can tell um, pharmacy owners uh, which patients are qualifying for a DAA. It might even be Guildcare doing that as well. Um, is is that the best place, I think, to, to start? Because I guess that would give a pharmacy owner the biggest opportunity available in that they perhaps might see that they're only doing 35, but they've got 300 patients in their demographic that are um, appropriate for DAOs. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, and Guildcare is that is the software package. You can go in there and actually analyze of actually how many patients are actually are on five or more medications within um, within the pharmacy. So you can do that. Um, just having conversations with with pharmacists. I was talking to one uh, uh, last week, and he was telling me the story of you know he's been very successful in moving um, and increasing from 30 patients to 40 within a month. So the 10, which is, is quite good. Uh, so how did you do it? He just said, well, I just, when people came in with a number of scripts, I just said, look, well, you want to trial this system out. Um, you are taking six or seven medications. It will make it easier. This is what it looks like. Um, there's no obligations to it. Um, if you don't like it, you can go back to your old system uh, of just getting your, ta uh, your, your medications. Um, but I think this will actually be very beneficial to uh, for when you travel, because I know you travel a lot, um, makes it easier to actually uh, take your medications. It doesn't take up as room as you, uh, in, the, in your pantry. So really just spend a lot of time with the patient um, and has great success. Um, and now that that was last week uh, that we were uh, speaking to him and then I uh, got a, an update through the system to actually say he put another 10 patients on. So within, you know, a good two weeks, he's put on 20 patients just having conversations with them. Yeah. Um, and obviously you've got your guild care there as well that can actually help you with, the, with finding those patients who are on five or more medications. Yeah, yeah, because certainly, you know, that's giving you live information of scripts that are going through your system and patients that are actually in your pharmacy. But, you know, certainly uh, as, as a lot of pharmacy owners, I know, look at the demographics of their area through the census data and so forth. And there are some areas that are, you know, tipped to grow in an aging population. And I think as a country, we're growing as an aging population with the baby boomers really set to, you know, overwhelm probably most health services in that regard. So, as you said, it, it all ties in very nicely with that future growth that's predicted. And um, I guess pharmacies do need to be looking at their future capabilities around that because, you know, it will be upon them whether they like it or not. And if they've taken the opportunity around getting their processes right now um, and leveraging what opportunities are available, that's important. So if for a pharmacy owner to get started um, with, an out, with outsourced DAA packaging, and obviously we're going to probably highlight MPS and how you guys 
do that today. Um, what What is the process? Typically, um, in the past, when we've had the manual packed uh, DAAs in the business, you've got a medication summary from the patient's doctor, the patient's brought all the medications into the pharmacy. Um, how, how does that process flow into uh, the MPS workflow? And I guess one of the most confusing things for most pharmacies around it is that they're not having to manage the stock in the pharmacy. So could you tell our listeners a little bit more about how that gets streamlined? Yeah. So Rob, what uh, happens, it's very similar to the, the manual system. The only difference is that once you get the, the medications that that patient is on, there is one uh, period where you actually have to put all that data into um, our one source of truth, which is called HealthStream. Um, and HealthStream actually gets all the, the patient's information of what products they're on, um, the address, everything about that patient actually gets loaded onto, uh, onto the system. Um, once we have that in play, any time that there's changes made to that script, it's actually updated into HealthStream, so that it's easy then for, uh, for, the, for the pharmacist. Um, and then every t every time that, uh, the, 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 for example, the patient, uh, the pharmacist wants to, uh, for the for that particular week, he'll select the week of when he's actually wants his DAAs to actually come out. He will actually work through the system to make sure all those things are ready. He would look through to make sure all the medications within HealthStream are actually okay for that particular patient. He would uh, okay that. Um, that actually gets sent once he okays. That gets sent to our system, uh, either in Brisbane, Sydney, or Melbourne. We have three sites. Um, what happens there is that the machines actually read all that information that's sent down to all the uh, computers, which then uh, tell the technicians that we have and the computers that are all set up with all the different types of medications, and it puts it into the uh, packets. Um, the packets are then uh, quality uh, checked through uh, a, a photograph machine that, that looks at, it's called an MDM, um, that looks at the, the type of medications that are coming through and making sure that's aligned to what uh, the pharmacist uh, has recommended. Uh, if the machine doesn't like it, it actually rejects it. If it, 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 it accepts it, it then moves on to the next quality control, which then... Um, uh, it, it's a manual process that the, the quality person would check. If that's okay, then it gets actually sent to the pharmacy uh, for checking again. Uh, and then uh, the patient walks in and the, the pharmacist hands over the pack. It's a, it's a quite a simple process, really. Uh, the first part and the hardest part is always, if you've got 30 people on a manual process, it takes probably about half a day to get all that information into HealthStream. Um, and once that's done, it's uh, and then you actually each time you add a new patient, you have to put it in. But after that, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. No, look, it, it does it does. And I just wanted to go back over a, a quite a few terms there, just for the benefit of our listeners who may have been thinking, oh, don't know what that is, don't know what that is. So I thought we'd just cover off. So HealthStream is the medication management system. So for those who have worked with, I guess, some of the more manual DAAs that. Um, it's a, it's basically the, the clinical management system where you have the patient profile live. Did you also mention that the um, prescription information, so the uh, the dosages and also the strengths, does that automatically get updated from the pharmacy's dispense system or does that need to be manually updated in the HealthStream software? It gets automatically uploaded into it. Okay, so it integrates. Once with... you've actually added the information. Okay, so it works with Fred. Oh, great. So not not every system, but you know, Fred obviously has seventy percent of our market, so it's probably going to cover most. So now that's okay, and it's and Correct. it's and it's cloud based as well. So the pharmacy doesn't have to load any software on their um, computers, and it can be on, on any terminal they need it to be. Correct. Correct. Yep. Um, as you rightly said, I think the I think the listeners uh, or the pharmacists who are listening. It is Fred-based, so we uh, we do uh, work with Fred, um, and our plan is to work with uh, more of the dispens uh, dispensers, but at the moment it's only Fred. 
Okay, okay, now that's fine. And the, obviously the medication changes as they come in from the patient's doctor or from the individual patient walking into the pharmacy. Uh, that can get updated in the health stream system. So when the order gets sent off um, in any of those, uh, and I imagine that you're looking after pharmacies completely nationally, would that be correct? Like in every Correct. city. Yep. Um, so when when an order gets sent yes, through, to, we've got them in, uh, in every. Um, so when an order gets sent through to um, one of your facilities, um, what what is the turnaround time around? I know that a lot of pharmacy owners that I've spoken to around outsourced days administration aids really want to know because obviously when they do it in their pharmacy, they know that they've got to give it to a technician who can turn it around in, you know, maybe half an hour or an hour. But what is the expectation that they can have um, in terms of when patients come in, they request changes to their medication regimen, how quickly can that be turned around? And I know that they can always ask for it to be done on the next cycle, but, um, you know, just what's the expectation that you can um, provide our owners with? Yeah, Rob, so what happens in that situation is that um, the pharmacists, when they come on to the MPS system, would select a day that they want to um, have the packs um, uh, sent to them. So with that, it's we then work out back on a 24-hour basis to say, right, if they want it to be sent on a, a Wednesday, so we would actually probably start packing on the, uh, the Monday afternoon or the Tuesday actually have that ready for them to uh, be in their pharmacy on the Wednesday. So we would have a cutoff period on that Monday and it might be, uh, the cutoff might be uh, six o'clock. So that six o'clock, that pharmacist knows that everything has to be loaded for them to actually get that uh, medication on the Wednesday. So with that uh, cutoff, um, the system automatically does it at six o'clock or whatever time is actually agreed with the pharmacist we actually say, right, the cutoff is happening. So anything that's actually in HealthStream at that time is actually packed. Yep. So if there's a change that comes in on the Tuesday morning at nine o'clock and the, and the patient comes in and says, look, doctor has, has uh, changed my medication. Um, it is too late for us to obviously uh, change that. So what would happen is that once the role has arrived uh, back into the pharmacy, the pharmacy would then put a slice through the packet uh, to actually remove that particular uh, particular medication and then add in um, the medication that is required. And then there's a quality sticker that is signed by the pharmacist that goes back over that uh, packet to make sure that it's actually reaching the TGA requirements. Yeah. That's the usual place if, it, if it's uh, outside the cutoff period. Um, and in most of the cases, the, it's within the cutoff period, they might ring us at uh, four o'clock to say, look, we've got one change to make. Uh, can you hold on for 15 minutes? Uh, you know, all depending. And we work with farmers to make sure that that actually can happen. And if it can't, uh, then uh, they make that manual uh, adjustment at their pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, it's important that obviously, when when, when you when you're using uh, outsourced packaging, that you know that the processes are connected and that uh, the expectations are very clear. Because I, I I've heard quite a number of times over the journey of hearing the different stories about pharmacies engaging with different um, packaging providers that um, the time frames weren't detailed well to them, and uh, quite often, particularly in uh, you know quite. Um, regimented areas that required patients to have the medication back, particularly in nursing homes, that there were quite a few conflicts. So I always think that that's important that um, obviously like pharmacy owners consider that. Um, but, you know, as, as I'm sure you'd agree that you're only talking about a very small amount of uh, cases that happen, but it's always a possibility and it's probably viewed as an edge case um, at, at best. Um, and also just in relation to the, the, the checking as well, Luke, um, there's always a lot of questions that uh, come up around that and you mentioned the MDM system which as I understand it takes uh, that photographic image of every pack so that you do have those records but when the packets do arrive back in pharmacy um, it's, there's been a lot of conjecture about this but what is the expectation uh, legally of pharmacy owners to actually be checking those packs um, there's been a lot spoken about as to whether if they come out from a TGA facility um, like like yourselves, uh, whether that 
um, responsibility falls onto you or is it still a, a pharmacist responsibility to check the, every packet when they arrive in the pharmacies? Yeah, Robert, it's one of the questions that uh, as I joined MPS, it was one of the uh, hot, hot topics of conversation that I would get uh, asked quite a bit uh, by pharmacists. And the Pharmacy uh, Board of Australia actually recommends um, or states that, that each pharmacist is responsible for checking um, the, the roles. So it, it's not uh, MPS, it is actually the pharmacist's responsibility to ensure that what is packed is correct. Uh, we actually have our, you know, the MDM, we have our quality, but at the end of the day, for you know, we have to follow the board and actually the board has recommended, and rightly so, that at the end of the day, the responsibility lies with the pharmacist who looks after that patient uh, to make sure that they're getting the right medication. And hence, uh, we support that, uh, that rule. Yeah, yeah, and I think that maybe that conjecture in the past has fallen around, um, and you might be able to share with our listeners the uh, the statistic around it. But I believe that the MDM's error rate of checking is uh, significantly lower than the human error check that rate that we would see um, from manual DAAs in pharmacy. Yeah, I think the the, the, the stats actually state that. Uh... In a manual, you get one in every uh, 15 of, uh, of a mistake picked up. And in the uh, MPS system, it's one in every 50,000. Hmm. So uh, it, it is a quite, you know, very rare, but it still does happen. Um, and I certainly, when I talk to pharmacists and, and they tell you that, you know, I picked up a mistake, it certainly is something that you've got to be aware of. And we don't say that there's no mistakes. Um, and our systems are, are pretty tight, but there's still mistakes that can be made. Uh, and so therefore that's why we actually do uh, and support the uh, pharmacy board's requirements of, of checking that. Even though it's, it is uh, a small chance, it's better to be safe than, uh, than sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I guess we'll, we'll cover this one off, but um, the, the best practice of pharmacies out there, I've heard of pharmacists that have obviously taken all the taken the MDM check when they come in, but they've also then decided to a random audit of you know one in every ten uh, every time they come through, so that over about a ten week period, just you're getting um, you know a full cycle of checks. Is that the best practice that you're seeing out there, or have pharmacists really just gone down the pathway of just checking every single one? Yeah, they do uh, check uh, every single one, um, so uh, which is I think is the right way to do it. So uh, I think it's really important that you know, for the patient's uh, point of view, that they actually do check uh, do check every single role. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, look, obviously the major the major t thing that pharmacy owners look at when they do take on these services is obviously the time saving aspect, and obviously there's a manual packing time saving, uh, but also from the, a pharmacist uh, time spent on checking of um, you know the manual DAAs versus an outsourced one. And I think there's probably no right right answer to that in terms of that it will be what each pharmacy owner considers you know adhering to those guidelines and requirements, but um, you know, certainly something that they've got to be aware of. So Luke, um, from the pharmacies that you've seen implement this really well, you mentioned one that um, you know, has just started to grow their community um, DAA business by leveraging um, MPS and the outsourced DAA packaging service you provide. Um, but are there any great stories that you've heard of that um, you know, really significantly have changed their business and perhaps even gone into a foray of just starting in aged care? Or you know, what are the, I guess, the, the biggest success stories that you could tell our listeners about? Probably, uh, probably, there's many, but probably the one that I will uh, I'd select is a pharmacy um, here in here here in Queensland that had started off small, probably uh, on average probably 40 uh, DAAs had moved to the MPS system, and we have um, an, a technology or a system called Quantum. And it does all the administration work uh, that's required uh, out, and it takes all the administration out of, of doing the DAAs. And the part that I love about that story is that he was trying to work out how he's going to grow and the, you know, it's going to take a lot of time. How am I going to do it? And he actually implemented uh, a quantum 
into his uh, into his practice. So it's a software package um, that sits on on their uh, server that helps them uh, take out uh, the manual labor, which when you look at it, Rob, it's um, packing is, you know, it, it certainly when you outsource it, it takes uh, a lot of the work out um, and it reduces, you know, the, the amount of space that you need as well as um, the, the labor required. So it certainly does that um, from the packing point of view, but it's probably this quantum and it was a designed um, by MPS, uh, and I must say it was designed by pharmacies, of, of pharmacists, and they really could, who actually did a lot of aged care, so they understood the the difficulties of the manual uh, administration of a DAA. Yeah. And with that system, he, he was able to reduce his admin uh, by, he said, about 75%, which was an incredible thing, which enabled him to actually focus a lot of his effort on talking to the patients to actually get more patients onto the system. Um, and those the people who are actually behind um, the wall doing the blistering and the manual uh, administration, they were actually out on the floor actually also talking to patients. So he didn't reduce his uh, uh, his salary, he made the, the, the wages. What I was impressed by him, he's actually got the, the people outside and who were really dedicated, I suppose, and why he liked it as well as they could actually talk to patients. And therefore, he actually uh, was able to uh, increase his business. And I think he's actually up to 100. Uh, and it was the quantum uh, that, well, he states it was the quantum that enabled him to obviously do that. Um, so I, I think that was a really good story. There's a few great aged care. Um, you know, a lot of people want to get into aged care, but it's, it's a difficult, uh, the demanding area so uh, you've got to have be aware of what's required to go into an aged care uh, uh, you're going to be a pharmacist in that area um, 24 uh, 7 uh, and they are demanding uh, we help them to make sure that they actually are reaching uh, the service levels that are required by each of the uh, facilities we help them obviously go through the process and if it's their first time and we have programs that actually get them to understand. Um, and if anybody is actually out there is interested who wants to get into aged care, uh, we're happy to come out and talk to you and have our um, aged care experts come out and visit them to actually undershore, uh, to understand that going into aged care, this is what's required. Uh, yes, there's financial benefits, um, but there's also the costs of, uh, of the 24-7. Um, and providing a great service level to those uh, particular facilities. So we're there to actually assist those pharmacies to make sure that if they want to do that, they go in with their eyes wide open um, and making sure that you know they've got the, the partners to actually support them. And I suppose MPS uh, is one of those partners that can actually make sure that if they've made the decision to go into aged care, we can actually help them through that process and take a lot of the the guesswork out and making sure that their the first time is going to be uh, is going to be the the right one and, and making sure that it's going to be done correctly. Yeah, no, look, absolutely, and I think you know what you're talking about there, particularly with. Uh Quantum, and I'd love to ask a couple more questions about that, is is really significant. Um, and, you know, that's not even touching on the fact that when you consider dose administration aids, most pharmacy owners are thinking, yes, there's going to be the packing involved, but there's all those other little micro tasks that come along with it. And, 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 and I imagine that there's probably more other things that you could mention about quantum. And I believe that um, it also helps the pharmacist dispense those um, replenishment scripts each time. Could you tell a little there's a little bit more about some of the benefits of it well the quantum the, the thing that when you talk to pharmacists about it is that they are amazed by how quickly uh, you can actually um, dispense all the scripts so uh, you can dispense probably roughly around 300 um, uh, patients within probably uh, five to ten minutes so it's actually quite a quick process to obviously uh, dispense or all those uh, all those patients so it's actually quite a, a useful tool in that spectrum especially if you've got aged care so a lot of the aged care um, pharmacists do take it on but I've what I've noticed that probably 50% of, um, uh, of our pharmacists who have taken on uh, MPS are using the quantum and that's growing because once they hear about what quantum uh, 
can do to save them the time, they're getting much more interested in it, and it's actually picking up uh, in the in especially in the last three or four months as our community numbers have increased. So they're looking for those those efficiencies, um, and it enables you know that that part time a technician to obviously do that uh, in a very efficient uh, and and timely manner. And so it sounds like it's a system that sits on top of Fred, for example, um, and you know allows for that data entry to be an automated process as opposed to it being a human interfaced um, manual process. Correct. It is. It's, a, it's a, again. It's a linked to to Fred, um, as most of our systems do, um, and it enables the pharmacist to to do all the things that actually the Fred would do. It actually comes straight into uh, into the quantum and uh, does all that manual uh, work for you. And, and I just wondered as well, um, because we always talk about trying to minimise uh, any of those additional steps in, uh, in integration. And uh, have you gotten to the point where um, quantum and with that integration with Fred is also interfacing with... Um, um, you know, if you had an auto automation in your pharmacy as far as a dispensing robot, has it gotten as far as to when you're replenishing, if you are perhaps, you know, got using um, using one of your um, MPS um, packet machines in the pharmacy, and we haven't spoken a lot about that just yet because obviously that's at a much higher level, but have you gotten to the point where the robot can literally deliver the stock to... Um, to those machines and uh, fully integrate everything together. Well, the, with the uh, the packets that are actually packed out of one of the facilities, uh, we. So you're talking now is the robot actually because remember we're actually using all the stock actually at uh, at our yeah. facilities. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I realise that it might be going to the I guess the other level. At um, you mentioned that obviously MPS is working at a at, at the outsourced models going a little bit outside at, above pap below 300 DAAs in the pharmacy. But I do also believe that um, for pharmacies that have got much larger volumes that you do have the capabilities of providing them with one of your machines uh, as well. Again, we've got another one here in, uh, in, in uh, Queensland that does roughly about 3,000 uh, facilities and it's using both the quantum, the, uh, the robots, uh, uh, health stream packets uh, and it's able to do that very efficiently and very uh, cost effectively so it's definitely if you've got the big numbers that's definitely the way of the future hmm. now, because certainly like, as, as you read you've got machines now that can obviously do the uh, the photographic checking uh, the de-blistering of all of the uh, the capsules and tablets into the packets but uh, yeah I just I just wondered just thinking about all of that um, whether or not it had gotten to the point where the uh, the packages of the original pack medicines has gotten as far as to integrate a conveyor or a chute uh, to those de-blistering machines and it all just happens as a, as an automated process. Uh, here in here in the uh, facility, we actually haven't got that uh, that sophisticated as yet. Uh, it's in the plan, so obviously uh, do a lot of that. We actually do a lot of the deblistering ourselves here, um, uh, so that that is certainly something that we uh, are very much interested in to actually ensure that we are getting more efficient because that that's the part that's going to be very important as we go forward is that. Um, we will be. We have to actually look at ourselves and say, well, how do we become more efficient every day in order to ensure that the pharmacist is getting great value? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and a couple of other things that occurred to me that our listeners will probably be interested in as well. Um, if they're already using um, particular generics in their pharmacies um, and obviously they take on um, an outsourced DAA model, can they keep the same generic deals going and the same medicines for the patients or do they have to change to a preferred brand of MPS? So our preferred uh, brand if you're using the MPS uh, system is uh, is Aspen. We use uh, that as our preferred brand. But we've just done um, um, some deals with, uh, with Priceline, uh, with uh, DDS, uh, uh, MCAL, and in those agreements, and Pharmacy Alliance, and in all those agreements, um, we have made that decision that it's really up to the pharmacist to choose which uh, product that they wish to use. Um, and in those agreements, that they can use any of the products. So they can use Apotex, uh, Alpha Farm, uh, Aspen, uh, 
as their preferred uh, supplier. So it's really up to, in those groups, up to those pharmacists. Outside those groups, our preferred method is, uh, is, is aspirin. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I think it's important to be able to try and, you know, make as seamless change as possible. And, you know, one of the biggest queries that I've always had when I've dealt in those situations with patients is that they see a different tablet shape or colour and they automatically think that they've been given something different. So I guess to try and make that uh, as seamless as possible, it's important. So, Luke, we've covered a great journey in terms of, I guess, how a pharmacy owner can get started, what it looks like in, in getting started and growing looking at growing their business, looking a bit further ahead than just what's in front of them in their pharmacy. But I guess when they're, when they're starting to think a little bit further ahead and trying to improve their business, you mentioned obviously you can introduce pharmacy owners to aged care if that's not a market they're already in. Um, but I guess where can, where can you see, I guess, the optimization of those frameworks and once they've got maybe one two years of working with with you or with another daa packaging provider um, as to how they can get the maximum benefits moving forward i think they've got to start to um really get that plan of where they want to obviously go i really really strongly believe that they've got to look out and say okay i want to get to 50 i want to get to 100 outsourcing it enables you to do that but more importantly then okay so what am i going to actually be offering to the to the uh the customer to the patient in order to actually attract even more patients uh into my pharmacy and i think that's what we're trying to do here at mps is to provide some of those services to uh the pharmacy whether i uh, you know i've just spoken about the aged care and and all the support that we can give to pharmacists if they wish to go down that uh track we're also working on the community as well, and it's why we've got the endorsement of um, the Pharmacy Guild, because it's not of what we actually offer today, but it's also what we're looking at into the future. So we're looking at things like reports that can actually be um, uh, put together with, uh, with the help of our quantum and health stream data that can integrate with a lot of other systems, and that's a good part about those programs, if they can integrate with other um, uh, other systems to in order to actually get a good profile of a particular patient which enables them into the future that pharmacist to have a really good discussion with the patient on how they're taking their medications the time they're taking the medications the interactions with the medications um, it enables them to actually have a look at um, the exercise that they've taken you know, merit of different things that they can actually explore with the patient. That's the sort of area that we want to go down to. I was actually reading the other day where, you know, the technology is where you can actually take a tablet inside the, that can be put into the packet that can actually, when you digest it, it actually reads whether you've taken the medication or not <laughs> and utilising that data to say when it's not just have I taken the medication because it's empty, it's, it's actually now sending back information to the carer, be it a pharmacist or somebody who actually is looking after the patient, that tells them, yes, that patient did swallow at that particular medication. So they're the sort of technologies that we're sort of looking to forward to the, to the future of keeping, you know, time, what I call time to care. It's, mm. it's providing the pharmacist the opportunity and for us the opportunity to explore different things with the, um, with the patient that we thought would never be possible. So. Lots of technologies out there today, Robert, you're probably mm. very much aware of that we could actually integrate with, um, whether it be Fitbit and those sort of things that we can actually start to utilise um, and making sure that the patient is actually getting um, a true or and the pharmacist is getting a true understanding of what actually that patient is actually doing and, and where that pharmacist then can assist. Yeah, look, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think there's some great opportunities there. We always talk about medications like uh, doxycycline or tetracycline where you're not meant to lie down for an hour afterwards. And if you're integrated with a wearable tech device, uh, it'll tell the patient to get up because they're lying down and the patient shouldn't be lying down when they've taken that medicine. But I think you've just opened a whole can of worms there that uh, we hear so much about wearable tech, but you've just mentioned digestible tech, um, which I think a be an interesting pathway to you know obviously know a little bit more about the effects of what we do internally in our bodies and uh, I think that'd be a really interesting space to follow yeah no look to me it's it's definitely the way of the future and and you know having um, 
the packet uh, available to that, it actually does actually assist then to actually record all that information um, and bring it all back into uh, one portal. I, look, it's endless of what you could do there. So yeah, very excited about what the future can actually uh, of told, you know, in front of us. I think it's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great segue there, Luke, and you may have just given it away before I've asked it. But I guess what would be the biggest game-changing technology that if time and resources were no barrier, would you or MPS love to implement in pharmacies today? Would that be it or is it something even bigger? I think that's just the start, Rob. Look, to me, it's this is the part I love having worked in this industry. There's just so many things, you know, I, I, we spoke earlier on about the differentiation, uh, differentiating pharmacy. I think uh, that's exactly why I've joined MPS because I do think there's an opportunity to really make a pharmacy the, just the portal of where people go to get information. Um, and they do today, but even more information about what they're doing. And if we can actually utilize the digestible uh, device um, wearable devices, um, you know, we're looking into how people take food and and all those sort of things that actually can actually have a good conversation with the patient and pharmacist to get the maximum result of the medications that they're taking is really what what's driving us at, at present. And we have many things in play. I've just given you a teaser of, of, of uh, some things, but there are even bigger things that are coming that I think will be uh, quite exciting uh, not only for MPS, not only for pharmacists, but also for patients and, and, and also aged care facilities. So all of those things. Um, and I think that's why the Guild has got behind us is because it's not of what we do today, it's, it's where we're sort of heading uh, that will give pharmacists that differentiation that uh, they wouldn't get at Woolies and they're not going to get at Coles. And the, uh, it's only pharmacists that actually, community pharmacy, that will actually spend time with... Uh, with with patients and who are willing to spend time with patients and who have got time to spend with patients yeah and that's where an outsourced daa can actually assist so yeah i think it's a great move of what uh, mps does today it's more exciting of where it's sort of going in the next probably 12 to 18 months but more exciting what's happening now to, uh, in 24 months yeah uh, rob so yeah, no, look, it's all, all very exciting. And, you know, again, like as you mentioned there, it, you know, we've got so many tools that can generate so much data, but it's really turning it into that actionable knowledge. And I think that's just a great role for pharmacies to pharmacies and pharmacies, pharmacists individually to be spending, you know, their mental time at the moment in preparation for the fact that, you know, their role moving forward is that trusted advisor. We just get inundated and patients can be inundated with information through Google and even through wearing their own wearable tech devices, but to really understand what it means for them and where the opportunities are to, for them to get their very best healthcare availability um, is a great role for a pharmacist to take on. So I, I think absolutely um, all of those things, so long as a pharmacist is at the centre of that healthcare environment, I think patients have a great future. And uh, yes, we'll, we'll certainly be living much longer uh, as, as a community uh, with pharmacists getting involved in that and um, I think we're, we're, we'll see that. Luke, it's been great having you on today. Um, it's been brilliant. Um, we've learnt so much and we've gone through so many different varying areas from the very simple and how you get started to really where everything is going to head into the future. And on that point, I'd, I'd love to have you back in the not too distant future to uh, you know, discuss the praise of MPS and where it all goes. Uh, Rob, it would be a pleasure to share those with you. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Luke. Well, what a great interview with Luke. I think we all know now one particular area of our pharmacy. If we can future-proof one particular area, it's going to be with dose administration aids. What a statistic to throw up there that there are at the moment 1.7 million patients and that's going to grow in the not-too-distant future to 3 million. And at the moment, we've only got 480,000 patients currently on a dose administration aid. So if you average that down to each individual pharmacy, that equals opportunity for every one of us. So really important we take hold of that.
to grab my three key learnings, it was again very difficult because uh, there were so many different themes, but I've been able to put them together for you. So the first one is planning. You need to plan where your business is going. And we've heard the statistics about where your patient's age bracket is going to go and the qualification around the number of medicines they take, which makes it appropriate for them to be utilizing the benefits of a medication aid such as a dose administration aid. But we're all acutely aware of the operating costs around those and how that they can turn of service that's extremely valuable for our patients into an unprofitable service for our pharmacies and therefore the motivation for us to continue to do them can drop significantly unless we get smarter around it. So it's really important that we're using tools like Guildcare that can show us the opportunities in every in every day or every month or even every every year in our pharmacies and how many patients we're actually servicing via a dose administration aid and that does flag it for you as well um, that you can actually look at that as a benchmark that if you've got up to a hundred patients who qualify but you're only servicing maybe 20 or 30 I dare say you've got significant improvement in your business and you can do that either through watching the flags come up as you go or literally just exporting your data out of Guildcare into a simple spreadsheet and um, segmenting it via dose administration aid. And it's not too difficult to do. Um, and it's something that will probably only take you five or 10 minutes a month. And you'll be able to benchmark yourself as to whether you've taken up those biggest opportunities, particularly if dose administration aids are quite a big opportunity in your business. So using that data to turn into knowledge. And also, number two was around the process of your um, dose administration aids in your pharmacy. It's so important that we speak about a lot on this show of getting your processes right because the technology will enable those to go to a higher level of efficiency. But if you have bad processes to begin with, then the technology does seem foreign because it's asking you to do things that you weren't already doing. And so that, that can obviously come down to assigning individual roles, how much time is spent, and whether you're utilising the best skilled um, assistance in your business uh, to actually maximise your, your community or even your aged care business as well. And so that's where you can really understand where an outsourced DAA partner such as MPS has highlighted in our interview today um, that where they can actually fit into your business and you can really understand the different frameworks in that the packing side will occur outside of the pharmacy, it'll take this amount of time, the order cutoff time is this and the delivery time will be this. And so that way you can flow those expectations into your pharmacy team so there's no angst and there's no frustration that things aren't available at a certain time because that's how you used to do it but also that your patients are aware of that as well. And so that might be when changes occur, whether you are able to talk to the doctor and have those things adjusted on the next pack cycle, but obviously if it's important and it needs to change immediately, and almost in all cases that's the case, then you do have the ability to snip that open, make the change in your pharmacy without any hesitation or any problem. But when you look at the overall financial analytics of it, um, and I'd encourage you to do that with your accountant at the next available opportunity to you, you will see that outsourced DAA packing uh, does allow you to scale and grow your business. And when we look at those three pillars of a 21st century pharmacy, the third one being smart use of technology, that's the one that's going to help you grow that service in your business without necessarily adding cost and really allowing you to scale. Sure, operational efficiency focuses here on really getting that process as efficient as possible and wringing any cost out or unnecessary cost by partnering with an outsourced DAA, which allows you the time, as Luke was talking about, and that's his biggest aim, to try to make sure that our pharmacists maximise their time with their patients and being patient-centric. So it really hits those three pillars really well. Uh, and the third one is the future. Um, we heard some great um, possibilities around wearable tech or even a new term to even to me of digestible tech and, um, and seeing how, as we've spoken about a number of times, these devices that become just an internet of things can generate all this useful data um, to be able to translate the best practice or best 
protocols for our patients' care. And we really need to be in the centre of that. So we don't need to be data analytics ourselves, but we do have, need to have systems that help us to translate that information into the right clinical knowledge at the right time for our patients. And as I've mentioned a number of times on this show, that's our biggest role and opportunity moving forward is that trusted advisor and turning the data that the patients get into knowledge. It can be something as simple as a patient plugging in a glucose meter in the pharmacy and you using your clinical knowledge to interpret that to provide them with the best possibilities around what they need to do with perhaps their insulin or their tablets or even their diet. So, so big, so big these opportunities. It would be great to tie them all together and continue to get them integrated together. But uh, I'm sure we'll all agree we're all very excited about the future of pharmacy. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Transformation. I think we learn something new every time, and certainly I absolutely did this time. I did not believe you could ever get to the point where you'd be digesting your technology, and I certainly eat up technology for what I do every day, but uh, literally doing it, I'm uh, looking forward to that. Um, A lot of listeners have asked me what they could do for me as far as a review and what I would prefer. And um, what I'd love love you guys to do, if you have a spare two minutes, is if you've read Transformation, the book, jump on Amazon and write me a little review. I would absolutely love that. Um, But if you can't and you are just a great listener of this show, um, please jump on iTunes. Um, I'd love to get a review on that from you. And uh, just lets me know what you think and whether there's anything you'd love me to include or improve on. I'm always open to feedback from you and I'd love you to help me make this show even better. We've got some great interviews coming up. We're going to uncover some marketing gold for your pharmacy. Really some high impact strategies that are low cost and low commitment with a very special guest that I will name later. As well as following on from Shoebox, I'll introduce to you some of the best options in the cloud accounting space um, so you can know that exact financial position anywhere, anytime. We did talk about that earlier in the show. But please leave a comment in the show notes. I always leave a little discussion box at the bottom of robertstar.com, which is episode 33. I'll read and respond to every one of those. And certainly I'll be asking my guests if you have any questions for them uh, to respond to those as well. And also just a quick reminder, if you are in Melbourne, I will be speaking uh, for the, at the Bayside Medicare local event. Uh, the link will be in the show notes on uh, Cloud for Community Pharmacy. And it'll be a great little morning There'll be some free refreshments for anyone who comes along. So if you'd love to see me, even if you want to just pop in and say good day, absolutely would love to see you. Have a great week, everyone. I look forward to speaking to you all again next week. Bye for now.